Good morning. Pakistan's former prime minister is shot and wounded. Trump nears his big announcement. Another death on Rikers Island is met with protests at City Hall as a top city official resigns under investigation. With these and other stories, I'm Paul Durienzo with the news for Friday morning, November 4th, 2022. A gunman on Thursday opened fire on former Pakistan Prime Minister Imran Khan, injuring him in the lower leg. Khan had been ousted as prime minister in a confidence vote in April. Since then, the 70-year-old former footballer has grown in stature and popularity in Pakistan, a nuclear-armed nation of 225 million people where the most power resides with the military. Several associates were shot along with Khan. They were participating in a march to Pakistan's capital to demand snap elections. Fawad Shadri, spokesperson for Khan's party, the PTI, said it was a clear assassination attempt. Khan was hit, but he's stable. There was a lot of bleeding. I spoke to him earlier than I, you know, now, and, you know, we shared some information. Uh, he's correct, you know, he's been shot in the foot, and uh, he's in stable condition. You know, at least one person is confirmed dead. There's some who are injured. But we're making further inquiries, you know, and I think I should be able to talk to you in greater detail in the next half an hour to one hour. But I, this, I must say, you know, that this is, we were dreading this. We, we expected the fascist government, you know, the fascist conglomerate, you know, which is ruling Pakistan today, the bunch of criminals, the cabal of criminals. They, we knew they were going to resort to this and they have resorted to this. But this does not mean that our struggle, it does not mean that our struggle is going to end here. We will continue marching to Islamabad. We shall not, not, not let this go. Forgive me for interrupting you, but you're making allegations against individuals and groups here. Is there any evidence that you have to suggest that you know well, who this, it was that this, pulled the this, trigger on this? At this moment in time, at this moment in time, no, I cannot furnish the evidence, but we know exactly what happened, you know, which we shall be sharing with the media in short course of time. But we have absolutely no doubt in our minds that this is the cabal of criminals who rule Pakistan today, that they have resorted to this extreme measure, but this is not going to deter us. We shall not be deterred by these criminal tactics. Khan has blamed Prime Minister Shehbaz Sharif and other government officials for the attack on his rally in eastern Punjab province. Sharif's government has rejected the allegations. It's condemned the incident and called for an investigation. Pakistani scholar Junaid Ahmad spoke with the news a few hours before Khan was shot. He says with a 90% popularity rating, Khan has become a threat to what Ahmad calls mafioso-style political parties in Pakistan. The ouster of Imran Khan in late March, early April, but the purpose was to get this guy out of the political scene, political life of Pakistan, because he's a charismatic figure on his own. His party, the rest of the party members of his PTI, that is Movement for Justice in Urdu, not so popular, but Imran Khan himself is super popular. The idea was to get him out and Instead, the opposite has happened. The new regime government that Khan calls the imported government, which was kind of a regime change operation against him by the United States, the chief of army staff, who is typically the most powerful person in Pakistan always, all the motley group of corrupt uh, mafia-like politicians. So all of them collaborated together to get him out. And lo and behold, they have behaved (laughs) so foolishly that Khan's popularity has grown to its highest peak ever since he's entered politics in the last 25 years.
he is giving rally speeches at different towns and cities almost every single day. And um, I mean, it's not easy to do. It, People have been assassinated in absolutely, Pakistani absolutely. politics, as we know. They, they certainly have been. So, so here's the thing, Paul. I think that the, the first few months after his ouster in early April could have been an opportunity to perhaps detain him, arrest him, do something, etc., before you give him the chance to mobilize this sustained mobilization of people in support of him. At this stage, it is impossible to really arrest this guy in terms of the people that are just supportive of him and willing to die for him. They have tried to trump up all these charges of terrorism, tried to disqualify him, but it looks so ridiculous. It's really funny, Paul, because in the New York Times, Time Magazine, you've seen these articles over the past few weeks saying, what have these idiots that we've put in power, what have they done? They've only made him more popular. We've helped you guys get Imran Khan out of power. But the yeah. way you have behaved over the past few months has only made him even more popular. And so we're in a situation now where Khan's only demand was, let's have elections. Let's see who's popular. Let's have an election. The government knows that. <laughs> that right now, probably more than 90% of the population is with Khan. And even more importantly, Paul, the really, really interesting thing is, as we know, the military in Pakistan has played a disproportionate role in Pakistan's political life. It has played an overwhelming role. Now, where the chief of army staff, General Bajwa, instead of him being the most powerful, most loved and influential guy, the armed services themselves, especially the junior ranks, middle ranks, and the soldiers, they're with Imran Khan. So this is unheard of in the history of the country, which is why all of these months have transpired. And Pakistan can be a very, very repressive state. But General Bajra, the chief of army staff who visited Washington just last week, can't do really anything because he would fear what sometimes happened in Vietnam, if you remember the Guns turned around and started firing at. Their, right, they at might the start a revolution. They might have a coup on their hands if they if they move. Right, right. They right, expose right. their so, own weakness by their moves against Imran Khan, which exactly, was exactly, exactly. So I think that this trip, a very unusual trip by the chief of army staff, General Bajwa, weeks before he's about to retire to Washington, it's kind of like. The, the adult in the room saying that, okay, I know the, the politicians we're dealing with in power are, are pretty incompetent, but I will try my best, at least get the, the military, at least the high command of the military on board, start cooperating with you guys again with the United States in terms of Afghanistan, drone attack, bases, this type of thing, helping you with your new Cold War with China, Russia, etc. This is the interesting thing. That the friends that the U.S. has, friends, clients, puppets that the U.S. has had, like Saudi Arabia, like India, they've completely kept their relationship with Russia. Saudi, in fact, has enhanced its relationship with Russia. I mean, this is unthinkable, Paul. I mean, it's also a reflection, I hope, for our listeners to know that the world has changed. Pakistani scholar Junaid Ahmad, he spoke with the news a few hours before Khan was shot. Ahmad says the unusual recent visit of the Army Chief of Staff to Washington indicates the United States has put pressure on Islamabad to get rid of Khan, who leaned heavily towards Russia and China. 
Also on Thursday, sirens wailed as North Korea test-fired the last volley of a two-day burst of missile tests. A total of 23 missiles are fired, the most ever from the reclusive nation, including a possibly failed test of an ICBM that could reach the west coast of the United States. The warning caused Japan's iconic bullet trains to stop until the threat passed. United States and North Korean missiles were then fired as a message to the North. North Korea, a nuclear-armed nation, is still technically at war with the United States since the Korean War armistice 70 years ago. The tests come as the United States and South Korea conduct ongoing military exercises that Pyongyang calls a provocation. Nevertheless, yesterday at the Pentagon, Joint Chiefs of Staff Chair Lloyd Austin says the drills, known as Vigilant Storm, would continue beyond their scheduled end as a warning. Our commitment to and defending the ROK is ironclad. And we strongly condemn the DPRK's uh, irresponsible and reckless uh, activities. As we said before, these kinds of activities are destabilizing to the region, potentially. It's highly unfortunate that the DPRK has chosen to interrupt this solemn period with the illegal and destabilizing launch of an intercontinental a ballistic missile last night, as well as additional missile launches today. I've consulted with Minister Lee, and we've decided to extend Vigilant Storm, which is our long-scheduled combined training exercise to further bolster our readiness and interoperability. And we'll continue to work closely together to develop options to protect the United States and our allies in the region. Joint Chiefs of Staff Chair Lloyd Austin. On October 4th, North Korea launched a ballistic missile over Japan for the first time in five years, prompting a warning for residents to take cover. It was the farthest Pyongyang had ever fired a missile. And the United Nations Commissioner for Refugees, Filippo Grandi, called for all countries to suspend forced return of Haitians to their country. The United Nations Refugee Agency, UNHCR, said refugees may face life-threatening security and health risks and further displacement inside Haiti. The United States has called for humanitarian intervention, citing a cholera outbreak and open warfare between gangs in the capital, but many Haitians oppose foreign intervention. Their supporters heckled a speech by Vice President Kamala Harris. Trying to find the root cause of immigration, but you've done nothing for that. The U.S. has plundered and destroyed countries all over the world, and your administration is complicit in that. You're trying to do that in Haiti, you're going to do it in all countries all over the world. Stop dismantling public housing. Your constituents are living in squalor, being forced out of their neighborhoods for one brick condo. You say there's no money to keep public housing. Disgusting. You're a liar. You're just a tool of the banks 
Everybody who's not in this building knows it! Haiti has experienced months of escalating violence as armed gangs battle for control in the political vacuum created by the July 2021 assassination of President Jovenel Moise. In national news, with an important midterm election just days away, a video has surfaced from a campaign event in 2010 involving incumbent United States Senator Mike Lee, a Utah Republican. The clip asserts his intentions are to phase out Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Be my objective to phase out Social Security, to pull it up by the roots and get rid of it. On Wednesday, the New York Times reported congressional Republicans have, quote, embraced plans to reduce federal spending on Social Security and Medicare if they win next week. Reductions in the Depression-era health and pension plan could include benefit cuts and raising the retirement age for Social Security to age 70. And during remarks Thursday night at a rally for Trump-endorsed candidates in Sioux City, Iowa, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene says if Republicans take Congress next week, there'll be no more money for Ukraine. Democrats have ripped our border wide open, but the only border they care about is Ukraine, not America's southern border. Under Republicans, not another penny will go to Ukraine. Our country comes first. In related news, former President Trump has emerged as the most prominent advocate in the United States of negotiations between Russia and Ukraine to broker a peace agreement. The New York Times published an article Tuesday where author Jim Rutenberg says Russia's meddling in the 2016 U.S. election was directly connected to Ukraine. And former White House counselor Kellyanne Conway told the Christian Science Monitor Breakfast that former President Donald Trump will soon announce he's running for president in 2024. I give him a ton of credit for not announcing this year, for not stepping in the way of the midterm candidates, which a lot of people around him who frankly need him for their next meal and their next gig and their next center of power were urging him and begging him and leaking to a lot of you that he would be in he would be announcing any moment. I'm glad that he didn't do that. That was certainly my advice from the beginning. You know, wait until after the midterms, um, if you do it all secondly. So I think you can expect him to announce soon. Um, obviously there's a family wedding coming up on his property and uh, election day is late this year. But um, as he would say, wait and see. Conway said Trump would have announced his campaign already, but he was convinced to wait until after the midterm elections. When asked if she thinks a former president should testify before the January 6th committee, where he's been subpoenaed, she replied, I don't think he should testify. And you're listening to the news from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Closer to home, New York City's building commissioner, Eric Ulrich, resigned Thursday in the wake of reports he is under investigation as part of a gambling probe. Mayor Eric Adams on Thursday afternoon said the decision for Ulrich to leave was made with the mayor's team. The team communicated with him. He communicated with the team and made the determination for not distracting the city 
and to deal with the review that's taking place now. He made that decision. I respect that. Uh, the decision and for his family and for the commissioner, we wish him well as he go through this review. To learn any of the allegations that it, he had been gambling and that his phone was seized and that he was part of a larger investigation? I, I don't, you know, I do not take reports that are in the media as what actually took place. I have not heard from the reviewing body. They have not communicated to me, so I don't know what the allegations are because people print it or rumor it those things I don't know I, until we hear from the reviewing body I would allow the reviewing body to do their job which is uh, it's part of the system we're in according to the New York Post Ulrich possibly racked up debts during card games with mob associates using his position with the city to pay them back and after the 18th person died in the custody of New York City Corrections and at Rikers Island Activists held a vigil at City Hall calling for decarceration and closing of the 400-acre Rikers Island prison once and for all. The vigil was organized by a coalition, Vocal New York, Halt Solitary Freedom Agenda and the Jails Action Coalition, among others. Vocal New York activist John McFarlane was the speaker. So when you look at Eric Adams and like one of his people got in trouble today, you know what he says? He says, well, let's wait for the investigation to finish. Let's wait for the report to come out. If you treated the detainees on Rikers Island like that, you'd be the king of New York right now. If you gave detainees the benefit of the doubt, you'd be the king of New York right now. But you don't give them the benefit of the doubt. Right? They gotta stay on 400 acres of pure death. And then they wanna talk about corrections officers that get harmed and they get hurt. They shouldn't be on there either. Because I, Rikers Island should be closed. Rikers must close. Vocal New York activist John McFarlane. Activists say it's also time to end solitary confinement in New York City jails. And anti-domestic violence activists held a rally at Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office on Monday. They were demanding Bragg fulfill a campaign promise to drop prosecution of Tracy McCarter, a black woman who killed her white husband, Jim Murray, after he showed up drunk at her home. McCarter says he demanded money and attacked her, forcing her to stab him in self-defense. Sala is an activist who told Tracy's story. Tracy McCarter is a black woman. She's a mother. She's a grandmother. She's a friend. She's a wonderful individual who is being prosecuted for simply surviving, right? For having the audacity to protect her life and coming out of that situation alive. And that is something that should be celebrated and that she should not be being punished for, right? However, what we're hearing from the Manhattan DA's office is that Tracy, after surviving various forms of violence, is now being punished because she dared to protect herself, right? And now what the situation Tracy is in is that the state, the criminal legal system, has become another form of abuser to her. Two years ago, when she was arrested, she was incarcerated at Rikers. She was held there without bail during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
She's a nurse. She's someone who dearly wanted to be with her family, but also wanted to be out here helping her community because that's who she is. However, they were stating that she was somehow a danger, a flight risk, even though this is her community and she has people here who support her. And while in Riker, she faced so much violence. And now, you know, even when she was released from Rikers, she was subjected to shackling that made her home its own sort of prison and really kept her from accessing the trauma um, care that she needed um, after experiencing what she experienced. And while we're grateful today that Tracy is no longer shackled, she is still not free. She's still not free because she's having to deal with this criminal system that is telling her that she did something wrong by protecting herself. That is telling her that she should spend years in prison because she survived. And we say no. 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 So we're here today to call on Manhattan DA Bragg and say that you do have the power to drop the charges against Tracy McCarter. Because the lie being floated by the Manhattan DA office is that they've done all they can do. They've offered a plea. They've tried to get rid of the murder charge. And it's the judge who just is making the situation difficult. It's not their office. And we know that's a lie. The prosecutor has so much power in the situation. They can choose to not prosecute Tracy. However, they're continuing to pursue a trial. Right? They claim <laughs> that they have done nothing wrong in the situation, even though we know they presented the charges to the grand jury without mentioning Tracy's history of abuse. The fact that she is a survivor never came up when they were talking to the grand jury about bringing these charges against her. And now they're trying to lie to us and say there's nothing they can do. Well, what does it mean to have someone in power who's saying they know someone did not commit murder, yet they're going to continue to prosecute them? So you're saying that you're going to prosecute someone you know is innocent? That's absolutely ridiculous. And we say, no! no. Former Manhattan DA Cyrus Vance permitted McCarter to be released on electronic monitoring. Bragg has refused to comment and a trial is set to begin on November 28th. And finally, the Brooklyn Nets suspended Kyrie Irving for at least five games without pay yesterday, dismayed by his repeated failure to unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic beliefs. Irving had refused to apologize during a post-practice media session earlier Thursday. I don't know how the label becomes justified because you guys ask me the same questions over and over again, but this is not going to turn into a spin-around cycle of questions upon questions. I told you guys how I felt. I respect all walks of life and embrace all walks of life. That's where I sit. Yes or no? I, I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. The Nets subsequently said Irving is currently unfit to be associated with the Brooklyn Nets. After being suspended, Irving issued an apology. He had tweeted a link to a YouTube film questioning the Holocaust. He said in his apology he didn't agree with every assertion in the film.
And that's the news for Friday morning, November 4th, 2022. The news was produced and written by this reporter. You can get the news at pauldurienzo.com. From New York City, I'm Paul Durienzo. Thanks for listening.